Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman of Cretech Climate Cast. Thanks for joining another episode of my podcast. Today, I'm really thrilled to have Robert Otani, Chief Technical Officer or Chief Tech Officer of Thornton Tomasetti, really one of the most respected global building engineering firms, about 1,500 plus employees. And I, I know Robert, you know, in the tech world, he's, he literally is considered one of the most respected thought leaders in the space. And I've spoken with him on a bunch of panels. He's spoken at our conferences and it's just somebody that I have a great deal of admiration for. So Robert, great to spend some time with you. Thanks for joining the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for the uh, intro. Yeah. So why don't you start again for those that might not be familiar with you and the firm, a little bit about your role at Thornton Tomasetti and just a little high level about the company. So yeah, I'm the chief technology officer at Thornton Tomasetti, and um, this is a position that we created um, about three years ago. And with the understanding that technology was starting to become not just a secondary uh, aspect in engineering, but really a really a primary aspect, um, because I think the the firms that lead the technology um, and the custom solutions out there in the consulting engineering business are the ones that are going to lead lead in profitability, to be honest. So yeah, a little bit of background, Thornton Tomasetti is 1500 person firm, you know, all kinds of engineering, mostly, you know, um, building work, healthcare, hospitals, stadium work, any pretty much anything, airport, aviation to do with buildings. Um, many, many practices, not, not, we don't have time here to go over them, but, um, I myself started as a structural engineer. I've been a structural engineer. I still do structural engineering for 25 years. And I think that's partly my role or really is my role is to, ne- to connect the, um, institutional knowledge of the firm to technology. That's mm-hmm. really what it's, it's about. And as well as leading the R and D at the practice as well. That's great. Let's let's unpack that a little bit before we get into climate sustainability. What is the company? How would you describe the company's sort of approach to technology? I know that you've got an R and D incubator. I, I'm mm-hmm. aware of core and what have you. But what is the role that technology plays within the company? And and then how does that sort of manifest itself internally and externally? That's a great question. I think technology for us has been. I would say there's two critical aspects. There's one is just I call it automation or augmented automation, just taking the sort of mundane tasks, making them faster, um, you know, making the engineers' lives a little easier during the day to focus on more important aspects, more creative aspects. The other, I think, is looking into the future of really what's going to disrupt our industry and being, you know, the first ones to sort of engage in those aspects. We may, we, we may lose some, we may 
but I think, you know, the only way we learn is to sort of take those, take those bets on the future of technology. Mm -hmm. Describe this incubator and, and core. Yeah. So we have really three, um, uh, three groups. Um, and really they're, they're, they're speaking in terms of entities. Uh, one is the core studio, which is the sort of everyday team app development team. And, uh, computational modeling team that works on projects. You know, that's sort of the engine. Those are the folks that are actually building these apps on a daily basis. The other is the firm-wide, what we call core lab, mm -hmm. which is a R&D program at the firm where we dedicate a substantial amount of money for R&D projects that come out of the blue. And um, obviously there's a business case behind each one of those, but we dedicate money and time for engineers all over the firm to, uh, you know, kick the tires on some idea that they might have. The last part is what we call core AI, and it's our uh, artificial intelligence machine learning team. We have a small team, but, you know, we've been looking in, you know, one of the first engineering firms to start looking to that space. We started around 2015. Um, and, you know, we have a startup now called uh, T2D2.AI that's out there. And, you know, you can't do these things without sort of doing that research. And then that project, by the way, started as a research project. Yeah, and we can. Uh, we I could spend so much time just talking about the R and D yeah. and investments and the, the tools that, that your firm is building. And in my lens, from my viewpoint, I don't know another engineering firm that's 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 doing as much on the innovation front that that's investing and building, you know, their own solutions, which is really unique and inspiring. But for the purpose of this podcast, right, we're talking about climate and sustainability. One thing that did jump out at me when just refreshing myself for the podcast was this healthy re-entry app that, that you all built in this sort of COVID, hopefully now in the rear view mirror, COVID environment. Could you just talk about that briefly? Yeah. So that, that came from, started with senior leadership saying, you know, let's say March, late March of, of 2020, you know, what could we do to, you know, enhance the management of our office that it's, you know, pretty crazy, right? Offices started to close in March, as well as um, help to maintain the health, the health of employees in, in a private way. And so we got together with leadership in the firm, as well as our healthcare provider, Cigna, as well as our technical uh, applications developers. And what can we build that is both, uh, you know, HIPAA compliant, GDPR compliant, and does all those things. And by the way, helps um, the office directors run their office because they need to know, you know, sort of the, not necessarily who's sick because we can't say that, right? right. But, we can, but we can say, you know, there is a person who has COVID in an office. Mm. Uh, that person was, was, you know, reported it from home. They weren't in the office. We're all good, right? In terms of understanding what the impact was to the rest of the firm. So that's what we decided to create that app. And um, in June, we had the app running mm -hmm. and um, it's been, you know, very, very powerful for our mm -hmm. firm, um, including we, we added recently um, or not recently. The first thing we added was reporting if you're going to re report to the office. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be in, let's say, a New York office on such and such days. That gives the office directors at office at least some knowledge of who's going to be in the office. And, uh, you know, who's not. And then most recently, we added um, reporting of uh, vaccination, which is not a HIPAA issue, by the way. So, mm -hmm. so, um, and that's just start. you start to see trends, I think, which is important 
about the number of people coming to the office as well as vaccination and those things go together right and so the, the idea is that we want to see vaccinations go up as well as people go up right in the offices yeah and is that something you've rolled out that's just for thornton Tomasetti's 1500 plus employees is that something you're rolling out to other third-party customers and you know um it's an open source app so if okay. people want to use it they can use it great and uh there are firms that have at least took parts of that code base i can't say who but i know yeah. there's a, there's been at least two or three that have taken that code base and sort of customize it for them their own firms great we'll put that in the show notes so hopefully people can find and discover it and build yeah. on top of it so sure. let's move let's now move into the sustainability and climate change discussion so obviously you know your company uh, it's why i wanted to talk to you is uh, has has been making sustainability esg diversity dei like th- these have been core issues for the company for years Right. This is just not some sort of like, you know, PR, a greenwashing. Uh, no, like I, I know. So where does that come from culturally? Like and, and then where does it come from? But also like, you know, the question that I always sort of ask everybody is how do you implement that at a company that's got 1500 employees? Because in the real estate yeah. world, that's a big company. Right. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Maybe not yeah. the engineering world. It's not the largest, but it's still a big company. So where does the sort of uh, the philosophy and the commitment come from? And then how do you implement this culturally throughout the organization? Obviously, it starts with, you know, forward thinking, you know, leadership. That's kind of where it started. And I would say it really started to get implemented in about 2011 or 12 when we acquired a sustainability firm. Um, and, you know, at that time, people were saying, you know, why is a structural engineering firm right. acquiring a sustainability firm? Because the, it was, sustainable was always equated to, um, you know, sort of, uh, reducing energy, which is a big thing, but doesn't really involve structural engineers, right? Where they're sort of built structure, um, as well as, you know, having good daylighting and things like that. And it, and so, but it was really, I think, you know, the people that were involved with that understood the sort of global impact of sustainability and not just the business impact mm. um, of that. And that's, and, and then that's, we started thinking about what can we do as predominantly structural engineers in the built environment related to, to sustainability. And, you know, we were building embodied carbon reduction tools back in 2012. Right. And nobody was talking about it then we would talk to clients about it and they said, that's great. It's cool. But how much does it cost? And I think it's moved way beyond that, um, which is the cool thing. And I, I'm going to say, you know, I actually talked about it last year at a, at a conference, the same conference you and I uh, spoke at, uh, the Shadow uh, Summit. And I started to realize that it, it became, it was, it was really that the financial markets mm-hmm. saw climate as a risk, financial risk. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, the dollars speaks a lot much yeah. louder right than um uh, than anything else in our in our our industry um so now it's sort of a wave yeah and you got to be up in front of the wave right yeah uh, so yeah. anyway yeah. that's sort of the evolution i would say that's great you know you represent uh, and your company the exact types of professionals i want to talk to because this is not a new thing right it's, like yeah it's definitely not 11 yeah. and 12 and body carbon i mean you know that that was way out in front early yeah. 
Talk to yeah. me and uh, the the listeners about your 2020 sustainability report. Let's you know just unpack that. How do you approach it? What are some yeah. of the strategies? What are some of the tools? And then what some of the tangible results are that you can um, talk about? Yeah, uh, you know the credit has to be given to Amy Hatton, who's our VP of Corporate Responsibility. Um, and she was part of the firm that that we acquired in 2011 or 12. She's the one that started spearheading these data gathering initiatives in and around um, energy and sustainability and, you know, waste and everything that goes with it. Um, so she's, and I think, you know, the first aspect of, of driving reductions is to have the metrics. And so she's been doing that, you know, uh, you know, full time for the last, you know, whatever, how many years. And so that's been, you know, that's been an ongoing initiative at, at Thornton Tomasetti. And not, and not just what was on the report, but also in our buildings. So, you know, even the Carbon Leadership Forum, which is mm-hmm. now has, has really exploded. Yeah, we know. Um, we, we were, you know, one of the two firms reporting uh, embodied carbon metrics, you know, mm-hmm. back in 2000. I don't know when that started, 14, maybe 15, mm-hmm. I forget. So, yeah, it starts with data gathering mm-hmm. uh, and data mining about our firm to expose those key performance metrics so that we can actually say, yeah, we're, we're ahead in the right direction or we need to do change, mm-hmm. change course. And so w- when you think about, you know, your strategies relates to sustainability and, and, and carbon reduction, what, it, what are you particularly most proud of that the company's been able to accomplish? Yeah, I think it's, it's mainly being about being, you know, tying the business aspect to the, the, you know, the employee and to the, to the sort of uh, contribution to the world, if you will. And I think that's, and I was telling this to somebody recently, this is probably the first time in an engineer's career that we're having, potentially having such a huge impact mm-hmm. on society and the world in general. And, um, you know, directly. So, so I think that's, you know, there's a, there's a bigger purpose there, I think which is really, you know, sometimes you miss that. Um, but, but I think, you know, engineers and anyone in the built environment today should understand that, should see that. Yeah, well, that's part of our core mission with, you know, Cretech Climate and why we're doing the podcast sure. and everything else we're doing is because, you know, as an industry, understanding that we have such a role in climate change and such an opportunity to leave yeah. the world. And so it's not about shaming the industry. It's really about galvanizing the industry to get this sort of collective action to follow the Thornton Tomasetti lead. Talk to us about this carbon footprint challenge, if you can. Yeah, I think it, it, it's kind of that. I mean, it goes, it, it's kind of that. I mean, I think you need some additional incentives to get people to sort of, you know, as you said, galvanize together and put together some really creative ideas of how to, you know, achieve this. And I think, you know, I think that's where great ideas come from is when you have a purpose mm-hmm. as well as a lot of smart people around the table, a diverse group of people. You know, I think that's where creativity and innovation comes from. So could you describe what this challenge is? Well, again, this is Amy's, Amy's yeah, just thing, but um, yeah, look, I think it's, I think it's really just to get people engaged. That's the Got first, it. that's the first aspect Just get people engaged, start thinking about the problem. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, taking bite-sized chunks out of, out of solving it. Uh, yeah. We're not going to solve the world, you know, in a day, but, but if you, 
can influence your uh, whatever you can influence in your small circle of people and and teammates and colleagues, um, it will make an impact. So, you know, as somebody that is such a thought leader in the industry, in the real estate, in the built world, technology, and um, so actively involved in sustainability with the company and its carbon uh, reductions, what is your message to those in the built world as to why this is so important? I mean, there's the moral sort of argument pitch appeal, right? But, you know, that's, that's not for me to tell somebody, you know, what their worldview should be. But in a business case, you know, what is the best business case that you could make why companies should be embracing and following your lead as it re- relates to sustainability and ESG? ESG has become, and I spoke about this last year as well, it's, it's become more than just, you know, those three things. It's almost become um, a requirement um, for a successful business. Um, and I think outs, you know, if, if I think if you're, I mean, I've seen it recently. I mean, if we're going after projects and they're showing, they're telling us to demonstrate, you know, your diversity, you know, metrics, you know, to get on this project. It's, 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 it's that cut and dry at some place, at some, some uh, instances. So I think the idea, and, and also I would say there, there's some, there's some, a progressive nature to this where some of the younger folks in your, mm-hmm. in the company and pot- potential employees are going to be looking for this, right? If, you know, if the two firms are equal, what firm are they going to choose? The, the more progressive firm that's thinking about the employee and thinking about the environment, or someone who's just thinking about, you know, the, the next, uh, you know, percentage point um, in their firm. So it's a huge aspect in terms of, especially, you know, for an engineering firm that is, or, or, or any professional services firm that is, you know, we're only as good as our minds in the firm and the intelligence of our, of our um, company. So our employees. So I think that's, that's really a huge initiative from a business standpoint. Yeah, that's great. And I, I couldn't agree more, you know, particularly, in, and again, uh, recognizing that Thornton Tomasetti is a, a global company that you have clients around the world. You know, you, you start to see how apparent it is that in other parts of the world, other than the states where we're based, right, in Europe in particular, younger people have made the climate, uh, diversity, inclusion, ESG, you know, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle you know, table stakes for them in terms of yeah. where they live, where they work, sure. and they're willing to take to the streets and, and be heard and the ballot box. I think we're seeing more of that here in, in the States, but it's inspiring. And I think it's so forward thinking for a company like yours to recognize that because that's how you attract talent. Yeah. And look, we have, we have a whole business unit that is helping firms decarbonize. So it's become a, a consulting opportunity. Um, to use our engineering expertise to help firms actually decarbonize because particularly in the EU, you know, they have an emissions uh, trading system, which carbon is money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, carbon is dollars. If they don't hit certain metrics, they're going to start getting charged because they're not, you know, they're not hitting them. Similar to what's happening in New York City oh, yeah. with, local, with local law 97. Absolutely. So carbon has, has there's, it's not just, you know, uh, tree hugging. It's actually dollars and cents. So I think there's going to be new opportunities as well. And yeah. we're seeing that now. I mean, there's, 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 there's firms that, uh, you know, there's, there's clients out there that are asking specifically for the embodied carbon uh, reduction strategies from us. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's inspiring. Finally, Robert, you know, you, you talk all the time 
publicly and in, in my conversations with you, you, you always sort of describe the company as like, I think you use the word a learning organization, right? Which is really inspiring for someone like me that knows so little and just constantly <laughs> having to learn. And, you know, so I want to be around somebody that works for a learning company. So I'll just hopefully get a little bit smarter as a result. Yeah. It's a tall order. But what have you learned? You're, right? You're the chief technology officer for the company. You're active in the company's sustainability and carbon reduction strategy. What have you learned in terms of like best practices that you could share with other companies that say, yeah. you know what, we want to sort of follow their lead. What advice would you give them? You know, that's a great question. Um, I've learned a lot. And I think the first thing to understand is that in the in in the age of of technology and where we are and the acceleration of that the business changes very rapidly is changing very rapidly right now whereas 20 years ago i would say things are pretty status quo and i call it um a project manager had a shelf life of 20 years say what what they did when they were a young engineer to what they're what having now or let's let's call it 1990 um or something was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Today, you might have a shelf life of three years. Wow. Right? So if you like, stop doing... Like an NFL running back. <laughs> right, exactly. No, no, I mean, you, you, you just don't have those same skills anymore. And the, the, the process of, of engineering a building has changed so radically, you know, with the advent of BIM and other aspects of all the tools that we have now. You know, again, I'll give I give the, give the example. When I started in 1995 at Thornton Tomasetti, we had three computers in the office, and no email, right? Right. And you did everything by hand. We did just verification with the computer, and then we would deliver document. You know, we, we we there was CAD. We were doing CAD at the time. There was a CAD, you know, a pretty big CAD drafting team, which doesn't exist either, by the way, right? They're they're not they don't. And we had a hand drafting team as well. So you know, fast forward, you know, we've got email, we've got 30 programs to do the same thing that we used to do on a, on a, on a calculation pad, you know, it's completely changed and we're doing way more work. I would say I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to say three times as much work for, for the same building. So that's one aspect. The fact that things change so rapidly. The other thing I would say from a, let's call it an R and D standpoint or like what's in, what's going to come in the future is, is to listen to your younger staff. Actually. Right. I think, you know, one of the things that I learned from, I just happened to be on a bus trip because I was working on a project up at Cornell University with a professor at Cornell Tech. And um, his name is Wes Sign. And he was telling me something very interesting. I told him about the R&D program that we had and, and, and about our initiatives. And he told me, you know, he does some work at IBM. And he says, it's very important that when you evaluate R&D ideas, that the evaluators are coming from a broad spectrum of the firm mm-hmm. and not just, you know, the executives. Cause what happens is that people who are submitting these ideas will tailor the sort of ideas to the executives right. who may not have the Paul, no, the, you know, sort of have the, the, the latest technology of what's, what's, what's going to happen in the future. So it's very important to have like a broad swath of people evaluating those R and D ideas because they're they're seeing sort of you know they're the you know doing the stuff every day, so I think that was really interesting to me, and it's worked very well for us. Um, pretty much every single thing, every single R and D project that we work on has significant value 
you know, whether it just becomes a new process or a new tool or potentially even a new startup, you know, like I said, our G2D2 started as a $25,000 R&D idea mm. of using computer vision for detecting building damage. So I think that's really important is to keep, keep evolving continuously because that's, that's, that's the way it's going to go in the next, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, such great insights. And you're so right about the acceleration of, of change yeah. throughout the built world. And, you know, we've been focused at Cretech, our you know, main site um, on innovation in the built world for, for so many years, trying to help educate, and bring a higher level of awareness about some of these tech solutions that are out there. And uh, the pace of change just, you know, through COVID, it was just, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, people talk about a 10-year acceleration of, of tech adoption just in 10 months. So I think you're right. And I think it's one of the reasons why I consistently turn to you and look to your firm, because you've got that sort of DNA of constant learning and innovation. And that's why I love hearing you talk about the core studio and, you know, just your whole emphasis on R&D as it relates to tech, but now as it relates to carbon reduction and sustainability and diversity and inclusion commitments as well. So I think it's tremendously inspiring. And look, it's it's my company along with my colleagues, so I can say whatever the hell I want to say. But if you're looking for a structural engineering firm, Thornton Tomasetti is, is in my book, the one to turn to because of all those reasons. And they're, you know, a group that really invest back into the ecosystem. So they've been incredibly supportive of Cretech and you mentioned Shadow Ventures and many, many others. So I thank you for all your leadership. Yeah. Look, I, I, I join your conference. I go to your conferences to learn. I, I mean, it, I've seen, I've seen a ton of your talks, so it's, it's, it's great. It's, um, you know, there's, it's, it's, it, everyone has a different lens, right? But I think, um, you know, again, I, I, I do this because I'm learning all the time. Yeah. Well, that's uh, your great inspiration. So, Robert, thank you so much. Robert Otani, Chief Technical Officer, Thornton Tomasetti, thank you so much for your time, for your inspiring leadership in the tech world, but really mostly from, from my lens on, uh, on the sustainability front. So keep going, keep innovating, keep learning. Thanks for the time, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.